Okay. The picture on the whiteboard is an old imagery of the burying of Sarah in the cave of Mothbala. So you can see here, here, I'll call it here that works better. You can see here Avraham looking back at Sarah, and here they are, they're entombing her in the cave. Okay. And this is High Sarah. Now there are a few things that I want to talk about with this Parsha that are very significant. One thing is we read that Sarah died at the age of 127 years. And even though High Sarah is a praise to her for her life, We're told by the rabbis that the reason that Sarah died at that age, at 127 years, she actually died early, was because she made the statement to Avraham, may God choose, may God judge between you and me. And therefore, her life was cut short. This tells us something about when we say something. This is about our words. And I want us to really think about this tonight, about our words that we say. The words that we say, especially if we're on the level of Sarah, who was a great prophetess. Well, but this is a lesson to all of us, that the words that we say are extraordinarily important. And when she said, may God judge between you and me, even though she was correct in what she was saying, when she was telling Avraham that Hagar was becoming arrogant toward her and hateful toward her, she was correct. She was the one who was right. But Avraham was also a righteous man. And whenever, even though a person can be correct, whenever they make a statement, God judge between you and me, guess who is the first person to be judged in the court of heaven? It's the person making that statement. And so Sarah's life came up for judgment first, and it caused her to have years cut off her life, according to the sages, that it caused even this very, very righteous woman to have her life cut short. For the most part, Sarah's words were very, very measured. They were very precise, and she was very much in control of what she did and said. She was a prophetess. She was a great soul. Even a greater, a greater statue, stature, sorry, than Avraham. Yet she made the statement, and it caused her life to be cut short. There was another thing, though, when we look at the story of Avraham and Sarah, Avraham burying Sarah, that he chose this cave. One of the reasons that he chose this cave was because it was the entrance; it was a portal into the Garden of Eden. And we're going to talk about that more later. But I want to talk about 
Avraham's prayers. Avraham was honoring Sarah because of her virtuous life, because of her stature, with being the first one of the patriarchal couples to be buried here. It was like opening this vortex into the next dimension. But when he came into Machpelah, he found, of course, he already knew this because the angels told him that Adam and Chava were buried here. And Adam and Chava were actually receiving the tikkun, the repair for their own sin, through the lives of Avraham and Sarah, these very virtuous people. But Adam and Chava felt ashamed of themselves. They felt ashamed of their sin and they didn't quite connect. This is Midrash. They did not quite connect with the forgiveness that the lives of Avraham and Sarah had bought for them. They didn't understand the tikkun, the repair that the lives of Avraham and Sarah had bought for them. And so even though um, Adam was able to finally rest and lie down, it was after Avraham buried Sarah that he again laid Hava down. And Avraham stood and prayed for the forgiveness of Adam and Hava. Now think about this for a moment. Now from our previous lives in Christianity, we would think that this would be a useless prayer. We would think, well, what, what in the world will we be doing praying for people who have already passed on? And trust this. Abraham would not pray a useless prayer. This is a man who was a prophet, a great prophet. And even in Sarah's death, even in her being buried there in Machpelah, this was also part of this connection with Adam and Chava to set right to a point. See, we're all working on that, the body of Adam being repaired. We're all doing our part of that repair, little by little. And we all have our portion of that work to do. And Avraham bearing Sarah there, that was part of it. But then him coming there to where Adam and Chava were, were lying and praying for them to have rest, that was another part of this. So think about that for a moment. Now I'm not saying that we should make a practice of praying for the dead. I'm not telling you this. But I am telling you that there is a principle that you have to have a balanced view of anything. And we do see in the Midrash a principle here of a person alive in this world praying for this couple who have passed away centuries and centuries before him, that he is connecting with the soul of his primordial mother and father, and he's praying for the repair that would be necessary for them to have sufficient rest in the next world, at the door to Gan Eden, that he's praying this prayer. Now, we think about what is prayer. And when we think about healing, this is an extremely important thing for us to really know and really connect with. What is prayer? Now, prayer is a petition of our heart. 
Prayer is where we say we need help. It's where we tell Hashem what's on our heart, what's on our minds, what we are thinking, what we need. But there is something else that is also prayer. It's praying the words in a specific place that need to be said. It's being the vessel for the will of Hashem to be spoken in our world, in our realm. And this is extremely important. This is a very important definition of what it means to be a human soul. What it means for us to be partners with Hashem like we were meant to be at the creation of Adam. We're supposed to be able to connect with his will. His crown becomes our crown. His crown goes into our head as it were. Do you, you remember I was talking about the passage when we were, well, it wasn't in this class, I'm sorry. There is a passage that says that the sages will sit in heaven and their crowns will be in their heads. In their heads, not on their heads, but in their heads. What in the world does that mean? Well, your crown, the catcher, is the will. And the crown being in your head is like it's in the in the the brain itself. Within the brain, the will. But we're not wanting our will per se. We're wanting it to be where it's merged with the will of Hashem. And this merger of will, this merger of the crown, his crown, is in our head. So that our will and his will merge. And it goes down into our minds and it becomes our consciousness. That the will of Hashem becomes our consciousness. This is the ultimate goal of becoming truly human, truly Adam. So that our spoken words will be the will of Hashem in the world. And this is creation. This is exactly what he wants us to do. To be in harmony with him. And this is what Abraham did. When he stood at the kever, at the graves of Adam and Hava, he prayed a prayer that they were not able to pray for themselves. He prayed for the level of tikkun in the world that was his portion to fix. And so he stood there and the opportunity was given through the death of his beloved wife Sarah. And we can see here also how sometimes the most tragic sorrowful things can open a door for us to be able to do the tikkun, to do that portion of tikkun that is the purpose of our souls in the world. And he was shocked when he went to Hebron and found that she had died. He was shocked. And let's think about this for a moment. What killed Sarah? We talked about how she said, May God judge between you and me. That was one thing where she felt a level of betrayal from Abraham over Hagar. But we're told that what really killed Sarah, what really caused her death, was her shock when she heard of the Akedah, of the binding of Isaac, Yitzhak, that her husband had taken her beloved son 
and he had taken him to Mach to um, the mountain of Moriah, to the Temple Mount, and he was going to sacrifice him. This shocked her to the point of dying. And you can imagine how she must have felt a betrayal, a betrayal of her beloved husband, but also how could Hashem have asked him to do that? How could Hashem have given her this son in her old age that was the promise of the line and then ask Avraham to take him and sacrifice him. This also had to be a shock to her, a shock to her faith. And it caused her to die. Because she was so shocked. But yet at the same time, what happened was that she was received into the bosom of Hashem in this place that was the opening of Gan Eden. It was the opening of this place into the next dimension. So that even though she had had this shock, she had had this, that it sounds like bitterness, like a bitter thing, like how could this happen? And from a human point of view, we would say, how could this happen? But yet, so we receive that Hashem is the ultimate giver of good, that whatever happens is ultimately for the good, that Sarah's death itself was the crown of her very life. That even in death, even though this shocked her and caused her to pass away, that even though that happened, that this purchase of this cave came into the consciousness, came into the awareness of the people of Israel. And what was this place? What was this place, Machpelah, where Avraham walked in and he smelled the scent of Gan Eden? And what is that scent? That scent of life that permeates, that scent of life that is beyond what we experience in this world, which is death. There is a smell. You know, it's almost like, when you think about it, sensory, with our senses, smell can be the most memorable. It can touch us the most deeply. Think about that for a moment. You might forget something you saw, you might forget something you heard, but scent touches us in such a way that you don't have to file that in your mind and try to remember it. It just triggers it. As soon as you smell it, it triggers something deep within you that you don't have to struggle to remember it. It triggers the memory. You know what I mean? And so here was this scent that he didn't even have to be told what it was because his soul recognized it. Without ever having smelled it before in his conscious mind, his soul knew what it was. When you think about that for a moment, it's the same thing as when Yaakov walked into the tent of Yitzhak with the clothing of autumn on him, and Yitzhak recognized the smell of Gan Eden. He, could, he knew what it was. And so Abraham, when he walked into this cave, he knew what he was smelling. This was the scent of Gan Eden. And this was a portal in this world. In this world. Into the next dimension. Very interesting about this. I want to pull up another picture here.
just a moment while I pull up another picture. Okay, now, hmm, this isn't it, just a sec. Okay, this is it. Now here is Hebron, right here. And then here is Jerusalem. So Avraham had gone from, actually from Beersheba, up to Jerusalem. And then this is where Machpelah is, is in Hebron. Then you have Jerusalem. And I was telling you last night about how the third place that was bought in the land of Israel is called Shrem, but they call it Nablus in, in uh, Arabic. The Arabs call it Nablus, but it's really Shrem. So notice this. Hebron, Jerusalem, Nablus. You see that straight, that line here? These are the three places that were bought with money in Israel. Now, interestingly, we're told that up here is Sfat. So you still see kind of a line. It's kind of a curved line that goes up here to Sfat. Now, just a second while I get another picture here for you because I want to show you something. Something very important. Now in the spine you have down here would be the equivalent of Hebron. And then you come up here to like the heart. But actually you would come up here. This would be Jerusalem. It's at the top of the spine. So you have Hebron at the bottom of the spine here. And then you would go up to the top of the spine to Jerusalem. Uh, interesting. Look at that. This is like the, the land of Israel laid over the body. Now, the top over, over Jerusalem is going to be the head. And it's going to be into the head where you're going to have your thoughts, your will. Like I said, the crown is in your head. That's in the head. But this, Jerusalem, is right here at the base of the, of the skull. And this is, is called the occiput. This is a place where you could this is a place where you would have an entry into the into the brain. 
and in the middle of the brain is a gland called the pineal gland. The pineal gland is the gland that excretes a hormone called DMT. And this hormone is a hormone that scientists believe is responsible for people's being able to experience spiritual spiritual things, spiritual experiences, being able to sense them, being able to, to interact with the spiritual world is with this hormone DMT and it's excreted in the pineal gland which is a tiny gland between, it's the top of the brain, it's between the two globes of the brain. I don't know if any of you are quite aware of that but if you think about the occiput which is right at the base of the skull where you have an indentation and you see a line from there like um, a diagonal line think about it coming out at your hairline where you would have like your widow's peak at your hairline now whenever a man puts on tefillin what happens is the tefillin rests right there the, the box of tefillin rests right there at his hairline and the knot goes right at the occiput it goes right there at the base of the skull so you'll have a diagonal line from the base of the skull to the hairline and that diagonal line will go right through the pineal gland so this is the positioning of on the on the map of Israel now what is said is you would think that maybe it is Shem that would be the pineal but most of the time, the rabbis would say, the sages who talked about this would say, that the pineal gland, the crown, would be Sfat. It's the mystical center of Israel. And so here you would have Hebron at the base of the, of the spine, right here, the base of the spine, and you would have going up the spine to Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem is this opening, this is the opening to it's the upper cave and the lower cave that is called Luz. Now, the cave of Machpelah, according to the story of the of the Mishnah, the cave of Machpelah was that entrance that Rabbi Akiva and the three others went through in order to get into the fourth dimension. You remember this story of the four that entered paradise? I'll uh, bring that at another time. I don't have it with me right now. But there were four rabbis who through it was through meditation. They entered Pardes. And they went in their meditation through Hebron. Now, Hebron, think about this, at the base of the spine is, is hot. Hebron in Israel is a hot spot. It's a very hot spot. And then you go up the spine to Yerushalayim. And in Yerushalayim, it's a little bit cooler. But, they, but we were always told that there is a connection between Hebron and Yerushalayim. We don't ever want to see Hebron given away because the next step is to give away Yerushalayim. And what are they talking about right now? Giving away Machpelah and the Temple Mount. At the same time, these two things are so connected. In fact, in 1929, when the riots, the tragic riots started in Hebron, 
what happened was the Mufti of Jerusalem had made up this whole fantasy in his head that the Jews were praying at the Western Wall. This is 1929. Jews were playing, praying at the Western Wall and they were desecrating the place that Muhammad had tethered his magical horse. And because of his fantasy, tens of people, it was, it was a massacre in Hebron. The, the, the Arabs just went crazy. Hebron is a very hot spot. So, those two places in Israel are connected. 67 people died, yes, in Hebron, that's right. Those two places in Israel are very, very connected. These two places on the spine are also very, very connected. We will have energy. Now, this is called, um, in Hebrew, it's called kundla. And interestingly, in, in Hindi, it's called kundalini. Maybe you've heard of this, kundalini. And even though you would say, well, that's from India, and so I don't want to even think about it, it's actually a very accurate physical, physiological, and spiritual truth that there is this spinal energy that is a connection with spirituality. And it will start at the base of the spine and it will go up the spine to the head. You'll see it, you'll feel it even. And in fact, there have been times where, in my experience, I have even felt it start here and here and then come together in the middle. And so it depends on what's going on. And by the same token, because our bodies, we see God in our flesh, and you can look at the land of Israel and you can see kind of a parallel with the body, the, the human body. You can see this in the land of Israel. And this place, this down the center of the country, these places that were bought with money, parallel the spine. What does the spinal cord do? In the human body, what do we think of? What does the spinal cord do? Think about it. When we're talking about our nervous system, what does that do? It controls the body, that's right. Your body cannot, and your spine, yes, hold you erect. You cannot do anything physically without the communication system of the spinal column and the nervous system. It controls all of our actions. It controls everything we do. We open our hands, we close our hands, anything we do, we need the spinal column. And so this is like the center, the center of this nervous system is the spinal column. And so it's not surprising if we would stop and think about it, think about that. You lay that over the land of Israel and you've got this communication system that, that parallels the communication system of the body and it also parallels a spiritual communication system. I mean, think about that for a moment. And this is the reason that these places, Hebron, 
and Jerusalem are entrances. You see this? They go, the message goes up the spine, or it can start here, and it goes up into where? Into the, into the pineal gland. And then in the pineal gland, what is going on? You're receiving what is the crown. We're receiving messages from the crown. This is the will. We ask for our will to merge with Hashem. And where does this happen? It would happen in the pineal gland. In fact, think about it for a moment. In our Midrash, we talk about before a baby is born, that there is a lamp over the fetus's head. This lamp is held by an angel, like a, like a flame over the baby's head. And the baby is able to see from one end of the world to the other and learns all of Torah, everything. And then the angel goes, shh, and puts his finger here. And you have this little indentation on your lips. They go, shh, they think about that lamp. What happens to that lamp? That lamp becomes the pineal gland. That is the place, the spark that still holds us, connects us to our soul. It's the communication system. And the spinal cord goes up through our body and we are, the nerves go into the pineal gland. So we have this spiritual connection that interfaces with our physicality. You see that? Where your soul body and your, your physical body have an interface. And that's the pineal gland, and then it has this communication through your spinal column. Do you see that? Does that kind of make sense? I know it might be new kind of thinking for some of you, but just give it some thought. Because there are these parallels. We see the land of Israel, we see our human body, and then we see the spiritual connection of that that folds over to all of it, to our bodies and the land of Israel. So, this was what Abraham understood. When he went into that cave and he smelled the scent of Gan Eden, he understood where he was standing. He understood what this was. This was the entrance into the place where the, where the angel of death has no power. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be learning about Yaakov's experience in the place on Mount Har uh, Moriah. The place where the angel of death has no power. And that place is called Luz. And so... The place of Hebron, of um, Machpelah, also is a place of vortex that would go into Luz. We call it Gan Eden, but it's Luz. And the, the, Mach, uh, the Temple Mount is also this entrance, that's the main entrance, into Luz. And this would be at the occiput, at the top of the spine. And it's a place of communication. It's a place where we commune with Hashem. Remember what Yaakov said? He said, 
I did not realize this is a place where God dwells. This was the house of God, and I didn't know it. And Abraham had a similar experience in Hebron, where he went in here and he was like, oh wow, this is the entrance to Gan Eden. This is the entrance, and this is just another word. It's another expression for lose. The place where the angel of death has no power. The soul of, of, our, of Adam and Hava, the, their souls, weren't dead. Sarah's soul wasn't dead. Her body had passed away. But her soul was going on to crown her life. And so this was a very, very fitting place. It was the perfect place for her body to lay, to rest. It was the perfect place for her. Because this was going to be the place where all of the souls of her children would pass through to be able to go on to the next dimension, on to the next world, along Hobab. Now, I want to... First, before I go on into anything else, because I've, I've really talked a lot about these things, and I feel that maybe some of this is such new thinking that I want to hear from you to see what do you think? What, how does this, what is this causing you to feel and think? How are you receiving this? Anybody? Debbie, do you still have your microphone? Oh, I guess you do, just a second. Uh, I was late getting into class, and I do apologize for that, but from what I heard, it sounds like the body and the land and everything that Hachim had done is just such a miraculous plan that it's like so awesome and you just, just have to be in awe of what he has done. Uh, that's basically the kinds of feelings that I'm having right now. Well, that was the way I feel about it, too. Once I started to see all of these things, I thought, oh, wow. It, it shows you how incredibly deep these things are, how wonderful the design of Hashem is. And Dina says, with all the areas that I've been looking at for my healing, it fits perfectly. Yes, that's right. And this is what I hope is going to be an opening into some more depth of teaching about this subject because this is this is a very, very important secret for us all to be able to connect to. It's a secret that Avraham came to understand. It's what makes these places in Israel essential, not just to the people of Israel, but to all of the world. And it is the reason that they are hot spots of contention, that so many people want them, because even though they don't understand the, the fullness of it all, they know there's something special here. And oh boy, 
is there something special here? So of course they're going to fight over it even though they don't understand why. Of course they're going to fight over it. So Bob says fluoride is a major toxin for the pineal gland. The Nazis used it in the death camps. It's probably it's causing a lot of problems today. And you know, if that is true, then that would be, I mean, talk about something that would be purposely used to make a person desensitized spiritually. I mean, that is, that's really wild. I use chiropractors and other alternatives, herbs and natural, because American mindset of the body, what separate, don't fit for me, right, right. And even some of these kind of things, Bob, that you talk about here with the fluoride, that maybe people are not fully aware of the whole concept of it, but yet there's something um, something there that tells them this, something evil that gives them a clue, even though they may not be fully aware of it. The spin is the line we see in the map, but the spinal cord is the trunk line, electrical term, for all the data to travel to the other dimensions. Right. Exactly. All of the data. This is, this is the communication system of the body. And when you think about the land of Israel having these points that are, are literally vortices, this is the communication system in, in the body of the earth, the heart of the earth, the body of the earth, and there are other places in the world by the way, but Israel is a very, very key place because it's the holy land, it's a special land. There are still other places, but all of those vortices, guess what, they all go to Jerusalem. They all connect with Jerusalem in some way, even in other parts of the world. So it's sort of like our body, where you will have, say, um, reflexology, where it's on your feet. But all of these things are going to these different parts of the body. It's reflexology. And it's still using your nervous system. So it's still connecting back. But the main place, and this place here, that is at the base of the skull is the place that is called Da'at. This is the place of knowledge, Da'at. And it's also the throat. The front part of it is the throat. So it's where our voice is coming from. And it's the, it's the um, balance between wisdom on the right and understanding on the left. So it's Chochmah and Bina on the, on the right and the left, the right and left brain that come together it's called Da'at. So you have wisdom, knowledge, I mean, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And this in um, Hebrew abbreviations is Chabad. I'm sure all of you have heard of Chabad. So this synthesis of Chokhmah and Bina comes together in Da'at. And this is found at the base of the skull or the throat. It's the base of the skull. And so, you know, in um, 
Eastern belief, you have the third eye that's in the middle of your forehead, but this place at your hairline is just above this. And like I said, that's where the tefillin sits. When a man prays, a Jewish man, that his tefillin sits at the base of that, his hairline, and the knot, and it has to be tied in a specific way, the knot of the straps goes right at the base of the skull. And this is not accidental. This is very purposeful. It has to be done exactly this way. And this too is for a reason. There are esoteric reasons why the tefillin has to be worn this way. And as we look at Pokemon, Bina, and Dot, as we look at the base of the skull and the pineal gland and the top and the hairline here where it makes a line straight from the base of the skull to the, to the hairline, you can see this coordination. You can see this setting up almost like, you could even call it like an antenna system. And it's all about communication. Because what are we? What is a man doing when he puts on tefillin in the morning? What is he doing? Puts it on his head to remember the laws of Hashem. But what is he doing? He's praying. And so he's activating the knot at the, at the da'at and the tefillin box on his hairline as he prays. And if he's thinking about it in such terms, he can draw this into what he's doing. And he can find himself standing in the cave that is the, is the entrance into Gan Eden. Because he finds himself there, where? In his pineal gland. This is where he's connecting spiritually. This line of energy is going from the base of the skull through the pineal to his to the to fill in on his the hairline. And so he's concentrating and he's drawing himself into that place. And this is called inner space. He's drawing himself into that inner space of his soul that is located in the center of his brain where the light of the angel went down into himself. Light from the eye can affect the pineal gland, probably, or light from the arm cell, the angel. Right, exactly. Also, and so this is what this is. I mean, you think about this primordial light that each person is connected to through his soul is that light that sat above his head before he was born. This is the light that gives him life. Because what did Hashem say? Let there be light. And each of us came from that light. Our souls come from that light. And here in the pineal is that light. And this is what it means by, and their crown shall be in their heads. In their heads. It's the pineal gland. And this is that connection. You know, it's so exciting. This is that connection with this place that takes us into Gan Eden. The place that takes us into the place that we call Luz. Luz in Spanish means light. But this is a very special place. And it's the same thing Avraham was experiencing. 
in Bach Pela. He's experiencing the cave that took him into this place. The light that we hear about at near-death experiences, yes, that's true. Absolutely true. And this was something that in the experiments with DMT, that they said that some of these people experienced things that were very similar to near-death experiences. Just in the, in the experiment, they had some of the same experiences. And so what happens is that it's the DMT from the pineal that facilitates that experience that a person has in a near-death experience. But this is a real place. And I'm telling you, you don't have to nearly die to go there. You don't have to have a near-death experience to experience it. You can go there and be very much alive in this world. And that's what Avraham discovered. When he discovered Machpelah, that's what he discovered. But here's another secret. You don't have to go to a physical cave. You can do this in meditation. And that's where I'm going to take us in our future classes. That's what I want to do, especially in this healing class, because this is a place of healing. And I'm going to tell you a little story, personal. Actually, you know what? Just a second, I'm going to bring this map up again. Look at this, Bob. Hebron. Oops, I got stuck. Sorry. Okay. Beit Lechem, Jerusalem. So I would say Rachel's tomb is on that same line. In fact, Rachel's tomb would have to be also connected with Hebron because she was the wife of Yaakov. And so, yes, it's right here in line. It's right between Hebron and Bethlehem and uh, Jerusalem. So it's here in that same line. So you have the burial place of the patriarchs, the burial place of Rachel, the Temple Mount where, you know, um, Yitzhak was offered, and then the burial place of Yosef. And then up here, as we get up here by Tiberias, in spot where is the place that the, um, the rabbis actually say is the pineal, is spot, is the burial place of many of our sages. The, the Ari was buried in spot. And it looks like a long way from here, where you would say this is the top of the spine, but it's okay. I mean, sometimes it depends on the context, but sometimes they would say, that Yosef's tomb was the pineal, but mostly we say it's spot, which is way up here. But you see, it is still a line. It's a curved line, but it's still a line. Now, this subject is very personally significant to me. And I'm going to share something with you. 
to explain to you why this subject is very significant to me. Wait, do we have anybody on after me? Just a second, let me check. I'm not getting it. So anyway, um, let me check this. I don't think so, but I'm going to check. Oh, normally it would be um, Rabbi Bax, and he's not here, so it's okay. All right. <clears throat> So if we go over, we don't have to worry about it. Um, some of you have heard this story. I don't know who has and who hasn't, but some of you may have heard this story. When I was 19 years old, I was in a, an extremely unhappy marriage. I was very unhappy. And... Some people, and even I for a while, thought that that was the reason that this was happening to me. But every night I would go to sleep and I would dream of that I was in a cave with other people. And it was a cave. It wasn't a tunnel. It wasn't one of the near-death experience stories. It was a cave. And then I would move forward in this cave and there was a place of light coming out of the ceiling. And we helped each other climb up through this opening in the ceiling. We were in this incredible city of light where everything was just, it was tranquil. And there was just this peace to it. And it was this warm, embracing light. Loving, peaceful. And this was a recurring dream I had over and over. And I, it was so real to me that I literally thought I had been to this place some time. It was so, like I knew it was a place I knew. And it was so real that I actually asked some people if they had ever heard of a place like this and described the beautiful buildings and everything. And of course, I kind of got some negative reactions like, well, you're out of your mind. So I quit talking about it. After a while, I just quit talking about it. And then part of me even kind of forgot it. Well, a couple months ago, a little more than a couple months ago, I told this dream to Rabbi Bast. And he said to me, Miriam, this is Luz. This is Cave of Luz and the City of Luz. And this is a subject of study of many, well not many, but a lot Kabbalists. Because this is a place that exists. This is the fourth dimension. This is a place that is very, very real. And it was a place my soul knows. Absolutely knows. I know it's real. I know it's a place that we can access, that I've been back there since then with meditation. I know you can go there, you can experience Hashem there, and it is, it's real. And so this is what 
I'm wanting to bring to this healing class. For all of us to be able to connect to this place, all of us to be able to access that communion with Hashem that we can find in that place that is unique to each one of us. So, there you have it. And I think that I have done, uh, in fact I know I have, I've done a meditation with Luz with, with you before. But that's the story behind it that makes it personal. Now that's not all the story. I'm thinking about this now. When I went to India, I heard stories about um, gurus that sit in the high in the caves of the high Himalayas and they're hundreds of years old they have these secrets that are you know the secrets of life the secrets of the and it kind of is a is a joke in the world but when I got back to Israel I heard about an Israeli man who had found these people and um, and so I was sent to a rabbi who was very well acquainted with him. And I asked this rabbi, what is the significance of these people to us Jewishly? What is the significance of them? And he said to me, well, it's highly significant because they have technologies that we have lost. Highly significant. But we we had our own cave sitters and they didn't need hundreds of years and that's the reason they didn't live hundreds of years like these people do so as I thought about all of these things and then a few months ago when I discovered that my dream was the cave of Luz and the city of Luz and that the dream itself was what was propelling me in India to look for these people and then to ask this rabbi about this I realized it's not outer space. It's not way out into the mountains somewhere. It's inner space. We find it inside this place, this way of going into the cave, into the fourth dimension that takes us into this presence of Hashem that is also literally the upper Jerusalem that is accessible to us, that we could place ourselves there. We can go through this cave and we can place ourselves there in meditation. So it's been it's been a tremendous experience for me to come into these things. Um, there's I've been listening to a tape of Rabbi Ginsburg of Yitzhak Ginsburg where he is teaching about Luz. It's a mystery in the Jewish world, this place, and it's fourth dimensional place that is accessible to us because our souls came from there. All of us have experienced this place we just forgot. It's like the lamp over our heads. We experience a lot of things we just forgot. And so the whole idea of becoming aware, the whole idea of coming into a real relationship with Hashem a lot of it is about remembering. Remembering where we came from. Remembering 
who we are, remembering what brought our souls into the world, and realizing that that remembering takes us back to those places of our souls before we came into the world. And in those places, we can find the answers to every question. We can find out why we're here. And we can find out what we need in order to make our souls whole in the world and live a life that is pleasing to Hashem so that we can be truly human. This is the key. This is really the key. And it has to do with the spine. And it has to do with the land of Israel. It has to do with our connections. All of it is connected. This is the key. And that's where I want us to be going in the coming weeks. So, does anybody have any comments or questions about this? Mm. You spell it. L-U-Z. Lose. And this word is also connected to the word zoos, which is, means to move. And it's also connected to the word mezuzah, which is the, the passage that we put on our doorposts and on our gates. It is the guard, the guard of the entrance. So this is very connected with Machpelah because it was the entrance into Gan Eden. Luz is the entrance into the next dimension. The cave, the city, is the entrance into the next dimension. And so it's the mezuzah on the doorpost. You were hoping we would go there? Okay. Okay, the, the Hebrew spelling of it is Lamed Vav Zion. Lamed Vav Zion Okay And not this next, well actually we're going to be um, coming into the, the prelude of this, the text, the main text of about Luz is found in Parshad Bayetse, which is the Parsha after Toldot. We have Sarah, which was this past week, Toldot is this Shabbat, and Bayetse is next week. And if you would like to read more about this, and this is a lot of very authoritative 
um, translated material, this is the website you can go to. We have gone so far from the time of the great sages and further back to the time of Abraham, it's harder for us to truly find the spark that was given to us when we were given the soul. And this is true, Ellen and Eileen. And that's why when we can find these methods of meditation like this, this is such a key to our souls. Now, Glenn said he was hoping that we would go there tonight. Now, if everyone would like, because we don't have to get off here, because there's not a class following mine tonight, we can go there tonight. I can do a guided meditation, and we can go to Luz, to the Cave of Luz, maybe even the City of Luz, tonight. Would you like to do that? Okay. Now I have done a guided meditation into this before. Some of you will remember it. Now <laughs> we have to go. I hope you're not saying you have to go away, but okay. <clears throat> oh, you might be having to go to a different Okay, all right. Okay, for the rest of you who want to stay and go into the city of Luz or to the cave of Luz, let's do that. So like every meditation, you're going to start out with take, closing your eyes, get very as comfortable as you can, and take a deep breath. Luz is also a word that means a type of nut, a hazelnut. But the tree at the entrance of the cave of Luz is an almond tree. So we go through the trunk, a hole in the trunk of the almond tree. We find ourselves in this cave. You can feel the darkness around you of the cave. But it's not a darkness that we find frightening at all. It's a darkness of comfort. It's a darkness very close to that comfort that we would find if we were wrapped in a soft blanket and held in our Father's arms. This is the kind of darkness the sweet darkness. You can smell the smell of Luz, life in the Gan Eden. It walks through the cave and welcomes us. It's like the incense prayer rising through the throne of Hashem, wafting to us and beckoning us and comforting us. Breathe this in deeply. It's the flowers, the trees, the fruit of leaves, ever alive, 
fragrance of life. Even the scent enlivens us. It goes through every single cell of our bodies, enlivening us and beckoning us to come. We feel the roughness of the walls around us. Hold your hand up. But yet even that is pleasant to touch. We walk along the floor and see ahead a glimmer of a light shimmering in the distance, beckoning us. You can see and you can smell at the same time, like you're smelling the light, scent of leaves coming to us. This beam of light. It's the light of creation. It's the light of life connecting with our souls, sparking in the new glow, crowning in our heads. And it just makes you want to laugh. It makes you want to smile and laugh because you're so happy in the present, sweet, loving presence of the shed. There are no cares and no worries, and we keep walking to the light, because it draws us to it, to life, sweetness, presentness. As we get closer and closer to the light, it gets larger. We see it shimmering, white, silver, bluish around the edges. And we know that this is an opening, an opening at the end of the cave that lights up the darkness. And at this point, our feet are not even touching the ground because we're floating. The light is drawing us weightless to itself. And breathing in the scent of life, please. Floating, floating up into this light. And we find ourselves now on streets that shimmer, substance that reminds us of gold, but it's not gold. Translucent shimmers. And all the buildings in the city have this translucent look to them. We realize that it's like light made into something solid, but yet it's not. We walk along the streets. These are the academies of Torah where the sages sit and they learn Torah all day. This is a place that is also called Pushta, a place where only truth can be told. There are no lies. It is impossible to lie in this place that is a place of complete truth. For this is the place that Torah dwells and lives. 
Empress scores through wisdoms to the sages. It walked from this place into our own realm, from your souls in this place that they sit here. While their bodies sit in the third dimension, their souls sit here and absorb the truths of the Torah that trickle down into our world. We walk along the streets, and all along the streets are gardens, beautiful gardens, that are beyond anything we've ever seen or smelled, but every petal is unique, swamped with moisture, every leaf, and the colors are so beautiful and vibrant beyond definition. Even what those colors could be, every single one has its own unique character, own unique shape. What are these flowers? Every single detail. So different. The moisture that drips, the tweak, freshness, the petals. We breathe in the scent and the fruit that we see, just looking at it, gives us nourishment. As all of our senses are combined, taste everything. Just looking at it, just smelling it, and you can taste it. Lusciousness. This is beauty beyond anything we've ever known. to our souls are completely alive. We keep on walking. And any place that you've wanted to go in the world, any place that you find particularly beautiful, you can find that here. But mostly this is a place the presence is shown. This is the place where the courts of heaven sit. And above them is the angel in the Detroit, the seventy sit in him. And it's to him we can go with our questions. This is the place where he rules. And this is also the place of the upper Jerusalem, the temple, that will descend into our realm one day. As we walk to this temple, just as it climbs of the temple, Jerusalem, 
can smell the smell of the incense burning. And this too draws us, draws us. And this is the smell of our prayers. The words of our prayers sweet us. Get offered up to the shame. Spare the gates of mercy open. Sweetness of our prayers and sins offered to Him. He's the provider of all of our needs. He is our comforter. He's the lover of our souls. There's not one single thing that we could ever wonder, that we could ever think that he doesn't care about. There's not one single thing in our lives that he doesn't touch. And he will know that. And even though we know that, that he is the ultimate giver of good, our faith can be rested here because he fills us with our senses and presence. And we know that everything. We breathe this in, we drink it in with our eyes, we listen to the voices of the angels praising Hashem. Now we can lift our own voice, praise Him in a holy way, and ask Him for the prayers, the words, ask Him for the new song that will fill our hearts to praise Him in every day of our lives. Every step of our journey in the third dimension. Now, Lord oh, I love you. Everything that I love you to share with all of us. But all of those sleepers that separate us from you fall away because I want to be close to you. I want to be filled with your presence. I want you to merge with myself, me with you, so that I can come to a point in my life where I can't even tell what I am when you begin, because you are so close. To bring that with me back into the third dimension and walk back as my life. This is surrender. 
some fruits you will need. And in these blades of leaves you can see how surrenderous sweet. It's not painful sacrifice. It's sweet. No matter. No matter what. You can feel and see and taste the sweetness of it. So thou is the view of the temple of Shem, the temple of Amiel, face God. And you go back into the cave, the comfort of this place of darkness surrounds us. And we know that there is no need for fear. There is nothing that we would ever have to fear, for this place is always accessible to us. We can always come back here, back into the presence. Now we're not going to leave in the same place we came in. We're going to push out through the walls. And as we go out through the walls, it'll be like a membrane around our being. To remind us always of the cave that leads to the city. Push out through the walls. Put your hands out. Push out through the walls. And feel the substance. Coat your being with a membrane. This is the reason that Avraham Avinu had to buy the cave of Machpelah as the burial place of his beloved son.
You can do this meditation yourself anytime you want to. And when you go into the cave, just the cave, you can pray, you can ask whatever you want to. It's an incredible place of prayer to become aware of this place. You can ask a hard question. You can ask for healing. You can ask to pour understanding of the Torah in a special way. Question about the Torah that comes with you. Everything is available because this is the entrance into the fourth dimension. You can literally connect with it from our dimension through the cave of walls. Even if the guided meditation sounds the same as it ever does, your experience can still be absolutely unique and different every time. You're welcome, Glenn. And I'm glad that you asked. I was wanting to do that, but then I, I wasn't sure when time kind of ran out. This is what I do want to share with all of you. It was easy for me to connect with it because I go right back into my dreams. So next week, 
household out. And I'm going to find a way each time, hopefully, please God, is Hashem, to bring us to this place in another way as a Torah teaching, as we connect with what the Torah is telling us, to again come to this place so that our souls can connect with the Torah in a living way immediately to where we are at that moment. Because the real definition of healing is transformation of our soul. Last night I read the name of the cave in Hebron is mentioned six times in the Torah. And interestingly, Bob, six is a numerical value of Bob. And Bob, just look at the shape of the Bob, is connected to the spine. So it is also, it's a connection. The spine is a connector, conjunction, and the vav is a conjunction in Hebrew grammar. And six is the numerical value of it. So it's also called the hook. So Heron is a hook. The connector connects us. The first place, like the base of the spine, that connects us with wounds. The first place we have a hint of lose is Mahira. And thank you, Marie. And the next number is Sheva, right? And that would be Zion. So I really encourage everybody, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Debbie, and every time is going to be a new experience. So, yes, Zion is the number seven, that's right. So the numerical value of lose, Lamed is 30. Zion is 7, and Vav is 6, so it is 43, right. It's very interesting. And Rabbi Ginsburg goes into the whole thing about all of the gematrias of Luz, and I'm going to have to listen to the tape again. I'm trying to transcribe it on my computer. But it's, his voice is so soft, they don't always hear what he's saying, so it's kind of difficult work. But I think it's extremely important what he is teaching about wounds.
I went to dark with red pigments like car paint job, dark with red metal flakes in it. Then there was a light coming from my forehead, and I could not understand what you were saying anymore, but I found myself at the base of the Holy of Holies. I was watching the presence there with a beam coming out of the sky. Never heard you again until your voice changed. What an event for me. I never had that happen before. I think I love any thoughts about the temple. And you know, Alan, I love it when people have their own experiences like this. Because this is really what it's all about. It's not about me telling you how to have an experience. It's about me guiding you. And then you go there yourself and experience it for yourself. So you really got it. That's great. And you should know that you can go there again. And you can experience it again yourself anytime you want to. You and Eileen together. You can experience it again. And it is about the temple. It is about the upper temple. Of Rome connects us to the upper temple. Is lose a physical place. Well, we're going to learn about that too. It's kind of confusing about lose. There are several references to it. There's one reference to it in the book of Judges as a physical place. There's a reference to it in the next Parsha after Toldo as having been a physical place. So it's kind of a confusion there. And then there's a reference to a Canaanite who showed the way into the city of Luz and then he made and then he and his family left Israel and he built another city called Luz that according to our sages is a place where the death angel does not dwell, cannot has no power, and you cannot tell a lie. And there is speculation about where that is in the world. Once you get the day or week out of your mind, it might just be possible to see. That's right. But on the subject that I was discussing, we're going to go there too. We're going to talk about that too, that Canaanite that showed the way in. Because he was also a great righteous Gentile soul. And he went out of the out of the land of Israel and built this place that has become the legend of Shangri-La. That legend is also connected to the legend of Luz. So there's inside the land and there's outside the land. And it all connects back to Jerusalem. All these places, there are several places that are vortices connect back to Jerusalem. So it's very interesting stuff. So, next week, same time, same place. And also remember, um, next week Rabbi Bax will be back at his regular time, so we wouldn't be able to do this long again. But he, And he'll be back. But... Um, Jerusalem, city of peace, right. 
That's exactly right. So, I will see you next week, Monday at the same time for the Torah class, and then Tuesday for the healing class. And we're going to continue our journey in the Torah with healing and going into more depth of lose. So, thank you for joining me.